If you will, please stand with me. If you're able to stand, I want to invite you to stand to read a, a brief passage, Revelation 11, 15 through 19. It's brief, but it is loaded. And I think it's a perfect passage for us this week um, because this is a Thanksgiving passage. Uh, I didn't pick this because this, this it's, it's happening this week, but it just so happens that God has given us. Uh, what heaven is thankful for. So listen for that in particular as I read in your hearing Revelation 11, 15 through 19. Then the seventh angel blew his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign Forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came. And the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and heavy Hail. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The subject of this sermon is come and take it. Come and take it. I'm sure I'd heard that phrase growing up and especially in Texas history class, but I was not a great student. And so I had forgotten it until Kelly and I moved back to Texas 12 years ago to, to be part of this church. And we made a visit to San Antonio and the Alamo. And, of course, we saw in the souvenir section all those uh, uh, sayings and, and trinkets you can buy that were related to the Texas Revolution. And I saw this phrase again, come and take it. And there was this welling up of pride in, in, in my heart to, to be reminded of that taunt that the Texans gave to the Mexican army who, uh, who were saying, come and take this cannon that's yours if you think you can. Come and take it. That phrase deep in the heart of Texas hearts, uh, come and take it, is a declaration of independence. And throughout the, the first six trumpets in Revelation 8 through now chapter 11, the world had a bit of that revolutionary attitude in their own hearts. 
When we saw the last trumpet blow back in chapter 9. After all the warnings that God gave to the world. That greater judgment is coming if you don't turn to the Lord. We were told at the end of chapter 9 that those who survived God's judgments in this world did not repent, did not turn to the Lord, would not honor him as the only God, would not live the way that he told them to live. And so I want to submit to you, come and take it, is courageous defiance that is commendable. Depending on who you're saying it to. The whole world has that heart attitude toward Jesus Christ. According to Scripture. According to Psalm 2, which we read earlier, which is quoted or alluded to here in our passage. What we have here at the end of chapter 11 is what God is ultimately going to do with the world when it is raging in its rebellion against him. And here is what we learn. Rebellion will end when Christ comes again. That's the sermon in a sentence that represents what all this passage is teaching. Rebellion. Denying God. Living as if you are your own God. Living as if anything else in this world is a rival of God. Refusing to live the way that he has made you and sustains you to live. Rebellion will end when Christ comes again. And and we see that here. Look, Look in verse 17. Where it says... That the elders were praising the Lord God Almighty. They were giving thanks to him. Who, it says in verse 17. Is and who was. And in the rest of Revelation, we're expecting one more phrase. And who is to come. But that phrase is not here because this is him coming. God comes. When his kingdom and rule and reign fully come. And that comes when Christ returns. Rebellion will end, beloved, when Christ comes again. Two things in this passage happen. Notice in heaven, whenever the seventh trumpet blows. In verse 15, there's a declaration in heaven. And then in verse 19, there is a a vision of what happens in heaven. When Christ comes again. He's not going to respect the wishes of his rivals. Any notion that he's just sitting back. And just inviting. Will be completely over. He's not coming back, beloved, to say, well, agree to disagree. You go your way, I'll go mine. And so. 
I want us all to consider what our attitude is toward the king that God has set in heaven, Jesus Christ, because rebellion is going to come to an end. I want you to consider, is there any proud, come and take it from me kind of attitude toward Jesus? Defying Him with any aspect of your life. Any animosity about Jesus Christ calling all the shots in your life. Point number one. The seventh trumpet teaches us that Christ will take over. Christ will take over. We see that in verses 15 through 18, look, look again in verse 15, when the seventh angel blew his trumpet, there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And then verse 17, we give thanks to you, Lord God almighty, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. In this passage, there is this acknowledgement, especially in verse 15, that there are two kingdoms that exist in this world. There is the kingdom of this world. And then there is the kingdom of our Lord, the the kingdom of heaven. The Lord who who made heaven and also made earth, made this world. Has rightful rule over this world and yet. Does not rule over it in all the ways that he will. How is it possible that there's two kingdoms and not one? I want you to remember. In Genesis chapter three. God's people. His citizens. Willingly surrendered to another king. Satan. They believed him over God. They obeyed him over. Over God. And now, since then, the world no longer acknowledges God as king. No longer willingly will submit to him. That that is what I mean when I say rebellion. It is this declaration of independence. That is deep in the heart. Of everyone who has ever lived. Revelation comes in and gives us this higher perspective, another look at what is real. And throughout this book, we've been told Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords. That he is actually in heaven controlling all of history. That there is someone who's making, who's calling all the shots of everything that happens in your life and in mine. He is the one who we were told is opening the seals that can make us sick. He is the one who is, is calling for the trumpets to sound that, that end up in, in these, in these chapters taking the life even of unbelievers. And yet, It says in verse 15 and then in verse 17 that he is 
in the future going to start to reign. That he's going to take great power that he doesn't currently use. There's two kingdoms in this world. The Christ is ruling from heaven, really, in such a way where he's still allowing rebellion, allowing the things that we just heard about in Psalm 2. The nations are raging against the Lord. The, all the peoples of the world are plotting how can we cut off what binds us to the Lord, his claim upon us, him being the king. That's why it, in verse 18, it explicitly says the nations raged. They were enraged at his claim upon them. Don't you see this? Don't you see this in your life? Why is it? Why is it that people all around us are rebelling against what he says is good? They call that evil. What he calls evil, they call good. Don't you see it? Don't, don't you see it in, 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 in this Confusion and pressure to call boys girls and to pretend that girls can decide from themselves that they are boys. Can, can you not see a, a rebellion against the one who wants to rule over life in this redefinition of marriage? This shifting around in the, in every one of us of not liking when he tells us we're wrong. Can't you see Psalm 2 playing out all around us and even in our own lives? How, how we're inclined to, to spend this life as if it's just for us. How we can even strut in here on a Sunday and try to get everyone around us to draw all their attention to us on his day, in his place. We're supposed to worship him. We're holding grudges against the people who are sitting next to us because they didn't give us the honor that we deserve. We're trying to tell everyone around us in our free conversations, let's focus on something other than the Lord Jesus. Plotting. Claiming that we can be secure if we just have enough money. Claiming that we can be satisfied if we have just enough sex. Claiming that we can have enough protection if we get the right guy in the Oval Office. And we've been invited here today to listen in on what's going on in heaven. When the, the worship leaders take the stage in heaven, it says in verses 16 and 17. They fall on their face and they say, we give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, for you have taken your great power and you have begun to reign. The nations raged, but your wrath came and the time came for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants and for destroying the destroyers 
of the earth. Three things they're thankful for in heaven when the seventh trumpet finally blows. Christ is going to judge the dead, it says. That all those bodies that have been planted in graves throughout all of history and all the world, they are staying put right now until this moment, the seventh trumpet will sound and Christ will come and he's going to open up hell. For everyone whose heart and life was not surrendered to the king. But that's not all that's going to happen. Christ is not just going to judge the dead. He's going to reward his people. Beloved church. How wonderful is it to know Jesus Christ? To be forgiven. To be free. Free. From any fear of the last day. Knowing that on the cross, he absorbed all of God's wrath for all of our sins and all of our rebellion. How wonderful is it to know Jesus Christ, to to be helped by him Right now to to and, and, and the, the ups and downs of our life to the to the blessings and the hardships of our life to experience him to experience his love to to know what no one else knows, which is the nearness of him whenever the hard things happen or the harsh ones come. Isn't it wonderful to know Jesus Christ? And beloved. Even more reward is coming to everyone who serves him, to everyone who speaks for him, to ever, everyone who will endure suffering because of him, no matter how insignificant, small and great, everyone who fears his name will be rewarded when he comes. He's going to judge the dead. He's going to reward his people. And then thirdly, it says he will destroy the destroyers. I think we're going to see more of this starting next week in chapter 12. Where this new section of Revelation reveals for us those rebels who are especially leading out in destruction. Who excel at raging against Jesus, what we're going to see is of him taunt him. Come and take it. And Christ is going to come and take it all from him. He's going to take over. Rebellion will end. When Christ comes again. And I want to say a word to those here who do not know him, do not know him. I don't, I don't mean know about him. I mean, do not know him as your king, and the Lord of your life. This season, you're going to see a lot of images of a baby. 
a little needy baby to represent the real Savior. You've already, if you hang around us for a little bit this season, you're going to hear more of what you've heard already. And that's us singing about how he gave his life. And I don't want you to mistake what you hear and what you see when you see a little needy baby who just gives up his life. Do not mistake the Lord Jesus as someone who cannot take anything from you. We're told when he was born in Luke chapter one, this baby will be great. And the Lord himself will give to this baby a throne. And we were told he will reign over God's people Forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. And listen, when we get to the book of Revelation, we are told. After he died on a cross, after he was raised from the dead, everyone who knows him and can see him says you are worthy to take. To take the scroll to take from God's own hand. All of his promises, all of his purposes to save his people and to judge his enemies. He's going to take it. And the reason he's going to take it is because he gave up his life. Don't misunderstand the meekness and the gentleness of the Lord Jesus. He is meek. He is gentle. He gave his life for sinners on the cross, but he gave his life to take a throne. And he has taken it. And one day the whole world will see it. And so. I want to. Help you understand the Lord Jesus. And I want to help you out of a comment that one of my children made yesterday. When we read Psalm two and and it says. Kiss the son, lest you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. His personal anger to be poured out in judgment is quickly kindled. And my child said to me, how is it true that God is slow to anger? And he's also quick to anger. She's listening, listening and putting together. How can both these things be true? It's true that God is slow to anger, and that means that he's not, gonna, he's not hot-headed. He's not flying off the handle. He's not like everyone else we know who, when they get angry, they just lash out in unjust and unkind and ungodly kind of anger. But he is quick to anger in another sense. Whenever he sees pride, People who are set against him, who are settled, who are committed. You won't be my king. I want you to understand rebellion does not have to be loud in order for it to qualify to be rage. And you can sit here and be very powerless and not not a king of this world. And you can still have a come and take it kind of posture in your heart toward the Lord Jesus. You can have a heart that is 
set on independence from the king of heaven and earth. And you can do that. And a sign of you doing that is that you just don't even think about him that much. You feel no need to consult him in your decisions in your life. You do not thank him when you are blessed. You do not serve him with your strength. Rage looks like impatience with with the people in your life who just keep going on and on about Jesus. A heart that is set against Jesus is in the child also who can't wait to get bigger so they don't have to keep doing what their believing parents want them to do and acknowledging the Lord Jesus. In a word, rebellion is pride. It's living like you are the center of the world. And pride is lighter fluid. And it ignites the burning anger of Jesus Christ. So I want to invite everyone here to do what Psalm 2 tells us to do. Serve Him. Fear Him. Kiss Him. Fear Him. Revere Him as your King without any bitterness in your heart. Believing he's greater, believing he's more powerful, believing he's right to punish all of his rivals. Believe that. Fear him. Regard him as the king. And then surrender to him. That is, serve him. And live in happy service to him. Happily serve him. That's what it means to take refuge in him. And beloved, if you will, friend, if you will do that right now, you can know this for sure. He will not judge anyone who turns from rebelling against him to being devoted to him. Do it. Do it now. Be wise and be warned because there is a last trumpet that's coming. I wonder. If on Thursday, whenever y'all were gathered around the table, what you heard that people were thankful for, the many blessings that God gives, maybe another year of life and health, maybe it's the the blessing of getting a new baby in, in the family or grandbaby. It's the way that the Lord has provided for you in your job and in your finances. And as we all smile and rejoice with you over these blessings, did your crazy old uncle then speak up that what he was thankful for was the utter annihilation of the unbelievers in his life? And then this guy, he's so happy about it that he turns it into a song. How do you think your face would look when he did it? How much do you 
love what the elders do in verses 17 and 18. The song is set apart on your Bibles like it's a poem on purpose because they are so thankful when their hearts hear the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our God and His Lord and Christ. And He will judge His enemies and destroy the destroyers. What is it in our hearts that makes us cringe if some person dared to do that at our Thanksgiving table? Dare to do what everyone is doing in heaven, what we will do in heaven. Why is it that we are uncomfortable with it? The destruction of all who rebel against him. I wonder if there is a residual kind of rebellion. A residue still in our hearts. That Christ needs to come and take it from us. Come and take all the ways that we have warped this idea of God's love into something that it's not. Which is an unholy acceptance of just everything. Is it possible Christ needs to come and take all the ways that we are more careful and concerned to honor rebels and not offend them and how patient we are with the offense that's being thrown up to the Lord God Almighty. Believing hearts can take this, come and take it, and we can transform it into our deepest longings where we say to the Lord, Come and take it. Come and take your crown. Come and take your glory. Come and take your power. Come and take everything away from me that rebels against you. Come and and search my heart and know anything that's unpleasing to you and take it from me. Lord Jesus, we are not the ones, beloved, who wait for him to pry it away from us. We do it now. Because this is the longing of our heart. Christ, come and take every rebellion. This is what we're going to mean whenever we sing in just a minute. Don't drop a single anchor. Don't. We're almost home. We want to be home with Christ. We want to be away from this rebellion. Don't drop any kind of anchor when we're almost there. Why would we stop? Why would we want to stay? Why would we make port here in this world? And beloved, I just want to plead with you. The way I'm I'm pleading with my own heart that there are so many things in this world that are anchors. We willingly set down as if we want to stay here and stay like the people around us. And there may be in it things that seem innocent to you. I want you to consider just take Sundays and the things you talk about. And the things you look at, thinking you can do all of that and still behold the glory of the king. And still be blind to see him for who he is. 
Oh, beloved, will you join me in crying out, come and take everything from me that would keep me from seeing you? We long for the seventh trumpet. Because not only will Christ take over, but also from verse 19, Christ will take us home. Christ will take us home. Verse 19, then God's temple in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant was seen within his temple. There were flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, an earthquake and heavy hail. This sounds an awful lot. Like what happened at the end of the seals. Two things. The very same descriptions at the end of verse 19. Flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and earthquake and heavy hail. In other words, God's judgment. All the symbolism in the Old Testament that God is going to come and judge his enemies. They're there at the end of the trumpets as well as the end of the seals. I want you to think about what that means. They're describing the same event. And also at the end of the seals, we have this picture of God's people finally making it home. Of serving him in his temple, chapter 7, verse 15 says. And him wiping away every tear. That is the seven, seven seals end up with the end of history. And also the trumpets are describing the same time period. Rebellion will end when Christ comes again. And part of what this is showing in the relationship of what happened in the beginning of the passage to the end of the passage is this. Listen, redemption isn't done till every rebel's gone. God's work to redeem his people is not finished until every rebel is gone and then when they're all gone, every reason for God to be apart from his people is also gone. Why is it that in heaven at this moment, then we see the temple now being opened. Now we get to see into the ark, that curtain that that hid our eyes from the holy place of God that kept people out of his presence. It's gone. Because rebellion, which kicked us out of God's home, is gone. Because the, when, when, when Jesus sacrificed his blood on the cross and that curtain tore in two and it symbolized something that is ultimately only fulfilled here. When we get to actually go fully into the presence of God. This is the main reward, I think, that verse 18 was referring to. This is what we're longing for. When Christ comes and takes us home. And we won't be happy until then. There's something missing from our Thanksgiving celebrations until then. Until Christ takes over and then takes us home. Beloved, in light of all this, aren't we the ones who say, seek first his kingdom 
right now? This right now? Shouldn't we from Revelation 11, even though this is a picture of what is yet to come, shouldn't we now seek his seek first his kingdom and all of our life, his rule and all of our home, his his authority and glory and all of the church, but but not just there in all of this town. This is a this is a picture of what's going to happen across the globe. What about Graham? I want to encourage us since we uh, since we live in Texas and since we live in a conservative part of Texas, every time you see one of those bumper stickers, come and take it. Every time you put on that favorite under T-shirt of yours that that covers up your tattoo of the Second Amendment on your chest or whatever, every time you put that T-shirt on, let it be a reminder to you. It wasn't right for Santa Ana to come and take over. But it's the deepest longing in all our hearts for Christ to. Beloved, I want to encourage us. Do not accept rebellion. Do not let how common it is be acceptable to you. Do not see it in your own life and see it all around you. And assume this is never going to end. It's going to end. Wherever you see indifference to the Lord Jesus, wherever you see in your heart or others, anything set against Jesus, seek his kingdom. Seek to surrender everyone and everything because that is what's going to happen. Let me just leave you with this question. How can your life today and during this Christmas season be a cry to the Lord Jesus? Come and take Graham over. Lord Jesus, we come to you and we confess that you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we pray that you would come first before the end and take everything that would separate us from you. Every rebellion, every thought, every action, every habit that disguises your glory or rivals you. And that you would make us those who seek first your kingdom, not only in our life, but in this community. And that we seek the surrender of everyone and everything. Until that day when you finally take over and take us home. We pray all this in your name. Amen.